You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to season two of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's up, Grump? We are rolling closer and closer to free agency and the draft, so time to start rebuilding this roster so we can have any hope of competing next year. That's right. Free agency is finally closer than the next snowstorm to hit the East Coast. <laughs> and, as, and as anybody knows who is following this podcast or us on Twitter from day one, I always mention to the Grump, before he gets excited about the draft in October, wait till free agency first. So we are finally here at that magical period. Yep. The legal tampering period opened up today, Monday afternoon. And um, that really doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, it's not legal tampering anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's tampering is when you talk to somebody before you're allowed to. Now it's just open season. Yeah. So. The biggest news probably is the, uh, the Giants moved up with a trade. Um, got rid of, I believe, a fourth and a sixth round draft pick for Alec Ogletree from the LA Rams and a seventh round pick for next year. Uh, I was interested because I thought, you know, originally he was on our draft board. He was. He? Yeah. I remember. And, that. you know, it's one of those things where it just didn't happen. I think it was one of those where loose lips sank the ship again. Cause <laughs> I think, we, I think we had mentioned the fact we had interest in him. And as soon as that happened, of course, you know, <laughs> Gone, he goes. Yeah, so I, we we get him back. We interesting. It was nine months after he signs an enormous contract that the Rams bail on him. But, but of course, the Rams are basically flipping their whole roster. It seems like at this point, so nothing surprises me over there. Yeah, uh, I think one of the most interesting things about it. I mean, besides the fact that he's a great fit, I know he had a down year last year, but he really just doesn't fit into Wade Phillips's defense, which I think is why they really dumped him he had this massive contract that he totally deserves but he wasn't going to be able to contribute the way that you know they were shelling out money for him but in uh you know james betcher's three four system he's really going to shine uh he's a real downhill guy fast enough to to cover backs and tight ends um really likes to shoot gaps and just beat the shit out of people but what's really interesting is if anyone else remembers I believe what was it two years ago? Uh, he hit Odell Beckham out of bounds, and like an entire brawl ensued. Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was Ogletree. That was a filthy game, if you remember. They were, they were deliberately taking shots at him. It was like probably like one of those week thirteen, week fourteen type of games, and it was just a mess. Yeah, it's one of those ones where the Rams were so out of the playoff picture that they were just frustrated. Right. And let's not forget, at the time, their defensive coordinator was none other than Greg Williams. It's scumbag extraordinaire. I still don't understand how he got back in the league. I don't get that. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just it's amazing how retreads stay in the league, whether they're filthy or not, or you know, for whatever reason. But yep, he keeps getting jobs, yeah. no matter wh- how checkered his past is. Yeah, you know, also notable. Uh, I, I mean, it came a little bit as a shock to me because it came kind of sudden and early. But uh, punter Brad Wink terminated that was not a surprise to me i predicted it um when you are last in the nfl in punting improvements need to be made and not only last in the nfl in punting but 
that the most inopportune times was that shank punt or, you know, again, it's a position where, you know, you're not investing millions and millions of dollars on, on a position. And, you know, I think they'll take their chances on the open market and free agency or potentially deeper down in the draft. I know, I know one punter who's out there, you know, again, I'm going to show my Gator bias, but Johnny Townsend was the best punter in college. And, um, Someone that probably in a late round or even if it's not even drafted because someone could potentially could be scooped up who could be infinitely better than Brad Wing. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have a we'll, we'll have a day on special teams. Cool your Jets with your Gator shit. All right, calm down. <laughs> uh, and you know the Alec Ogletree news is really going to change a lot of what the needs are on this team. So you know we we can really get in depth with that uh, when we go over linebackers in the coming weeks. Um, but something that it really affects what we're talking about today. Uh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie, after being, we were all sort of told through, I guess, just sort of like sources confirm that he's being moved to safety, um, has now been released. His contract's been terminated. Uh, I know that he was due $6.5 million, and that's probably more than he's worth as a safety and as a limited slot corner, but. It still kind of sucks to lose him, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy when we were talking about who would be a cap hit or not. We He was in the conversation. We I believe we both agreed he was going to stay, but we definitely brought him up as a potential cap casualty, and that's what this is. I mean, they asked him to reduce the salary, and wisely he said no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to pay, if not, you know, what he was getting with the Giants probably more than they wanted to settle for. So I, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge him for holding to his guns. I mean, these guys are professionals, and you know, let's be frank, the Giants were a three and thirteen team last year. It's not like he's losing his one way ticket to the Super Bowl in two thousand eighteen with this team. Yeah, absolutely, and and he's at that point in his career where he's on the older side, but he's still got the skills, and he should. He should get paid now while he still has those skills. I mean, it's not going to be forever that he's going to be the fastest guy in the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't blame him at all for it. I don't blame Gettleman for making the move. Uh, it just it just kind of sucks because he's definitely left a hole in this roster, um, certainly at the slot corner position, but now at, at the safety position. So, well, yeah, well, there's two things I'll say to that. One. I don't blame Gettleman for making any moves for a team that's three and thirteen. True. <laughs> that's just that's the start. And second of all, you know, it sounds like Gettleman has a history of drafting lots of corners and lots of safeties and moving up to get corners and safeties. So that along with linebacker, I think, are the positions that he, he likes to favor in the draft and stuff. So, you know, Maybe it's a position where he feels they need to get a little younger and a little cheaper in. And you're right. You're going to spend that much money for a guy who's moving to safety. Nice locker room guy, good presence, but there's a dime a dozen of those guys. And, uh, you know, this team needs to be remade. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, I mean, again, that leaves a hole at corner. I mean, but at safety, we're we're kind of in mediocrity. So, I mean, I would say our projected starters at this point are – Landon Collins, obviously, and Andrew Adams has been the more consistent with Darian Thompson being the backup. Yeah, that's, I, I'd agree on, on both counts. Yeah. Uh, 
Andrew Adams, while is a solid player, is not the kind of free safety that fully allows Landon Collins to play down in the box or, you know, and he's certainly not the strong safety that he can rotate with Landon Collins. He's just he's just a good player. He's definitely somebody you won't mind coming in if somebody's injured or you don't really care if he has to start for five to six games, but you know, it's he's not a solid presence next to Landon Collins. Um you know, is it possible that they reach out to any free agents for safety? It's possible. I think they may look more towards the draft, I think, and just start building from within and starting over. Yeah. I mean, who's really out there that's really available? Um, I mean, Morgan Burnett from Green Bay is a solid safety. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro from New Orleans might be somebody. But, I mean, I think the one that people would might speculate on is Tyvon Branch because he's coming from Arizona. Mm-hmm. So there's the obvious connection there. Yeah. Um, Marcus Joyner, he was franchised, right? He's not available. Yeah, he was. I mean, that would be fantastic, but. <laughs> yeah. But Eric Reed. I mean, maybe at a maybe at a discount because of all the injuries. I just don't think you would. That's the thing. I mean, I mean, again, you know, obviously it wouldn't even be anywhere near the DRC money. But if you take a flyer on him for something for you know one or two million and maybe a contract like a incentive laden or something, maybe you take a flyer on him. Oh sure. I mean, I'd love to have him if you can get him that cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's see. I mean, we have to kind of think outside the box a little bit and maybe you know. Who knows? I don't know what his market is right now, to be very honest. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty decently strong safety free agent market, which can lead to some lower prices. But I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to look to the draft. And the main reason why is because there's so many holes on this roster that safety, while it's a hole, it's not a great big hole that they're going to want to just throw money at it. This is somewhere where I think right. that they can get somebody. And I, I, I honestly think that there's a real chance that if the Giants trade down from their number two spot, Minka Fitzpatrick is somebody that may be the selection. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've you've probably seen him more than most people because you watch a lot yes. of SEC football. So absolutely. I mean, this guy is along the lines of someone like Jalen Ramsey, where he's so good, he's so fast, he's got such good cover skills. He may drop down from the free safety spot to the slot corner spot. He can cover guys one-on-one. I mean, he's not the most physical hitter, but when you pair him up with somebody like Landon Collins, do you even need him to be? Exactly. You already have one enforcer, so why do you need another one? Maybe someone who's more of a cover guy or something. So that's an interesting interesting take. uh, Again, that would probably – assuming a trade down, and again, we don't know how far down that trade down would be. You know, who would, you know, I, I guess we go off on a little bit of a tangent for a second. You know, as we sit here recording this on a Monday night, who do you see are the most logical trading partners to move up to two? Well, I would say now that the Bills have moved up to number 12 uh, after trading Cody, Cordy Glenn, uh, they're, they're a really big one because they've traded away their quarterback and they're left with Nathan Peterman. Who just frankly sucks. I mean, I, I, you know, I did a lot of film on him last year, and I did not like him. I couldn't believe he went as high as he did. And then the one game that he played, where I believe Tyrod Taylor was just straight up benched for him. He was straight up benched, and that almost cost them the playoffs. That one game. He 
I mean, it should have been because they backed their way into the playoffs. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, he had something crazy like five interceptions in one game. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was it, ridiculous. It was yeah, terrible. They had, they, they had to pull him. It was so bad. Yeah. Um, I think that they're the most obvious because right now when I look at their roster, they don't have a quarterback to play. And I think that as much as I don't love the top quarterbacks in this draft, I would say at least three of them are better on day one than Nathan Peterman. Of course. And what are they picking now? What are they, 12th? They're now 12th, which is I don't expect Minka Fitzpatrick to make it out of the top 15. Um, just, Just to go along with the narrative that I'm saying here. Uh, you know, there's some other ones. Denver has no nothing at quarterback. Uh, Paxton Lynch has not been able to see the field. Trevor Simeon yeah. is garbage. But you got to figure that they're one of the the top free agent players right now, right? I mean, they had they're probably maybe right behind Minnesota for um for cousins. For cousins, yeah. But they may not get him if they don't. Right. Is there anybody else that they want to get? That's a good point. Yeah, and I mean that's that's trading down to five. I mean, certainly the Jets. Um, I would think that McCown is not the answer for them, and that's going to six. Boy, that'd be interesting. Can you imagine a, a major Jet Giant trade? <laughs> that would be. I can't even think of a Jet Giant trade. You know, I. I mean, there's been free agents who've gone one way or the other, but a trade. Yeah. Can you even think of one? Oh, and I, I could I could just hear the uh, the fan backlash if. Uh, you know, the Jets take Rosen and he plays really well in his first year because I can almost guarantee the Giants are not going to be major players in the coming year because they're just in such a rebuild mode. Yeah. Well, you know, don't you feel the Jets are kind of in a rebuild mode as well? I mean, they had a better record. They've been but... in a free mo- <laughs> in Yeah, rebuild yeah. Mode. I mean, they they overachieved last year in winning five games. Yeah. People thought they were going to be, you know, the number one pick in the draft last year. Yeah. But I they still have did. a long, long way to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even Arizona at 15, I mean, they don't really have any answers at quarterback either. I guess I guess it all matters what Gettleman is thinking. Does he, you know, does he value a pick that's like in the top 10 or something still with a trade down or does he just want to grab picks in bulk? You start getting down to 15, you better be, you better be getting something like the 15, a number one the next year and another high pick. Sure. Well, I, I don't, I don't think he's a yeah. dummy. I think he's going to listen to oh, what the course. offers are. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. But I'm saying though, what his mindset is being is like: Do I want to? Do I want to drop down this year for more bulk picks, or I just want to slot, you know, a couple spots down? Like, what's his tolerance for how far he wants to slide in the first round? I don't know. He seems like a bit of a shyster, though. Like, he really knows how to milk what he's got, and he's got yeah. some serious equity at number two. I mean, when I say the Bills, they're the number one thing for me for trading down because they have nothing at quarterback. Um, they made it into the playoffs last year with with barely anything at quarterback. Um, and they're not going to be free agent players with anybody for a quarter in the quarterback. No, definitely not. And and they were making this connection between the Bills and Giants when they had the twenty two tw- twenty one and twenty two. Now they have twelve and twenty two. Mm-hmm. Twelve is definitely a spot the Giants should feel okay trading down to for the right price. And I mean, right. when they trade down, they may get the twenty second pick as well. Right, right, so, right. In fact, I, I would almost like, stipulate that you should. So. Yeah, I, I feel like making a deal like that with Buffalo, we would get the better end of it because just Buffalo has a track record of not <laughs> maximizing their potential in trades like that. So yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, 
So yeah, that's that, that's certainly something I could see. And Minka Fitzpatrick is definitely somebody that I think would fit really well next to Landon Collins. Uh, he's the perfect complement. He's not the heavy hitter. He's the he's one of the few guys in the last couple of years I've seen come out in the draft that can play the deep middle. He has the sideline to sideline speed to do it. Here's something <laughs> I want I want your opinion on. I know you don't watch yep. as much ACC football, but what about Florida State safety Derwin James? He's good. He's a big mouth. Um, I think he might be slightly overrated. That doesn't mean he's not potential for an all pro future. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, I, I, I think he actually peaked out with his hype and everything before this season. I don't think he had as good of a season as people are expecting. Of course, the whole Florida state team, yeah. you know, thankfully yeah. was pathetic and, you know, with losing the coach and everything. And, you know, after the quarterback went down, but He's solid. I mean, he's a solid first-round draft pick. Um, I think the expectations were a little higher coming into 2017 than coming into the draft. Well, I mean, he was outstanding as a true freshman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not surprised, especially with how terrible that team was. But he's sort of – I wouldn't normally have picked him as Landon Collins' compliment because he's a little bit more of a downhill guy. He's not quite as free safety-ish as Minka is, but – I mean, he really hits with authority. And yeah. now that we've switched to James Betcher's system, now I can see it more. Do you know what I mean? Like prior to James Betcher signing on as defensive coordinator, I, I kind of was like, oh, it would be really cool to have him. But like, you know, not really necessary. Now I can really see him fitting into the defense as this guy just comes flying out of, from left field and uh, causing all sorts of havoc in the backfield, covering tight ends well. Derwin James is somebody that, you know, could fit really well in this system. Ugh, no nose policy. Sorry. I, yeah, I knew you weren't going to like it. I just Yeah, well, again, I don't think he lasts if we're trading down, let's say, hypothetically to, you know, Buffalo's pick or something. I don't think he lasts down that far. We'll see. This is going to be a strange draft. I, I, I can see him being a top 15 pick. Where in that top 15? I don't know. Um, there's a couple other safeties in here, and I would say that they're all solid, not first-round picks, but definitely somebody that could come in and be better than Andrew Adams and Darian Thompson. And it's Ronnie Harrison at Alabama, also very good. Not the kind of rangy guy that Minka is, but you know more of the thumper. Um, but with st- still with good coverage skills and good size at 6'3". Justin Reed, who's Eric Reed's relative. I forget how. I think little brother. I'm not sure. I, th- I think cousin. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, he's coming out of Stanford. Is Is just solid all around. I don't think he really stands out as outstanding in any one area. I think he's good all over the place. And I would say the same thing with Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech. His thing is he might just be a little bit slow. He might be the slowest of that bunch. But all these guys absolutely I think would be uh, a good complement to this defense and be able to step in day one and take that starting spot. And younger and cheaper versions of what we have now, which is, you know, yeah, no great shakes that you have right now. Might as well get someone younger and cheaper. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, and I, I like to do this, you know, pick a defensive spot and an offensive spot. Probably one of the more polarizing positions to go over is the running back spot. So I never would have thought this at the beginning of last year, but our projected starters going into this year, I would say, are Wayne Gallman and Shane Smith at fullback. Um I liked the Wayne Gallman pick when we made it, but I didn't foresee him being the starter going into 2018. 
And he's not. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think there's. I think the starter is not on this roster yet. That's true. And Paul I, Perkins has fallen to like perennial backup. I mean, is he may not. I don't know that he won't be on the roster. It's just uh, yeah, he may he may be a, a roster cut at some point. Yeah, really, just the way. He, I mean, he had his opportunity. He had some injuries and stuff, but just really didn't impress. Just just kind of like that. All right, three yards, three yards, three yards. Like, you know. Yeah. There's a million of those guys floating around. So is this a free agent spot for us? Well, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is where Barkley comes into the, into the equation. You okay. know, uh, I, I, again, don't believe all the smoke screens you're, you're hearing from you know, team personnel or sources say or anything, but you know, he's going to be someone that's going to be really, you know, the siren call. Someone's going to pull the trigger on him, whether it's, the third pick, the second pick, the first pick. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's a talent. You know, again, I hear the term once in a generation, once in a generation running back every two to three years. Well, so I, I don't believe that's necessarily the case. But, I would say uh, the last three years in a row now with with um, with him, with Fournette, with yeah, um, Elliot, with, with Dallas, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, sure. So I mean, these guys are great running backs, but you know. Think of who the best running back in the league has been for the last 15 years. Is that the nucleus of a championship team or a, as close as you'll get to a dynasty in this in this day and age? No. I mean, Adrian Peterson, how far did he ever get? Um, NFC Championship game when Favre was a quarterback? Once. Yeah. Uh, you know, the you know, Damian Tom- Tomlinson. How far did he ever get? AFC Championship game. Once? Yep. No, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, again, it's very seductive to try to take a running back that high. And I, I get all the, you know, over the last five, seven years, how everybody says a running back is overvalued, you know, the position. And I think there's some truth to it. I don't think a, I don't think a running back changes, you know, the face of your team. As much as a you know a, a quarterback or even someone like Odell Beckham. Well, well, let me ask you this question: When you look at the backs on this roster, what is missing? What kind of style of running? What 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 are these runners lacking? Someone who can pass block and someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield. You think so? Yeah. I mean, someone I... who can someone who can move a pile. I mean, basically, someone who can do any any one of the core functions you need from a running back. It seems like we really are in need of. I mean, what is Wayne Gallman's strength? Well, I would say he's a good one-cut back with good speed and can catch out of the backfield. I think he's shown that. I think what this roster is missing is a north-south runner that can take a beating. You know, Ahmad Bradshaw, a guy who just welcomes contact and runs forward through it. And what's fantastic is you leave a little bit undersized for that role but he didn't mind doing it. No, yeah, he didn't mind. And he was a great pass protector, as you were saying. I think that's definitely something that might be a little bit missing here. Not that Wayne Gallman is bad at that. It's just I wouldn't ever say it's a strength. He was a rookie, too, and you're asking a lot from rookies. I mean, people are quick to blame, you know, oh, the offensive line, the offensive line, but we also have tight ends that really didn't block. We also didn't do anything to help protect guys in the offensive line. Like, how often did we see flowers on on an island? Exactly. So, and I also think we didn't really see that much last year was really good, you know, pass blocking from our running backs. True. So 
all those things add up to having no time to throw and Eli, you know, turning into uh, a car, you know. You know, as we're talking about this, you know, I, I, or as I was researching this, that's kind of what I thought. We, there is definitely a need for a third down back like Shane Vereen was supposed to be. But in my opinion, the big thing that's missing is the ability to have to have a guy who just can run out the clock, can run over guys, can wear down a defense. And uh, so when I looked at free agency, I, I kind of was looking through that. When I looked through the uh, draft prospects, that's what I was looking for. And how about a guy on third and one that can get a first down? Well, that's I mean, what I mean. Many yeah, times, yeah. How many times have we seen it over the last five years where it's third and one and we just can't get that one yard? It started I mean, with those of, waning days of Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, and it's – it started also with, you know, questionable play calling as well yeah. and questionable, you know, scheme and things as well, like in the red zone or in third and one or fourth and one or something. And, you know, and also, again, is a lot of factors. The fact that Eli Manning is never going to be a guy who's going to try know, and go on a QB sneak. Exactly. Yeah. So, that, you know, that's completely gone. You know, we've, we haven't had that, you know, that wide receiver, that big tall guy like in the red zone who get the one yard to you know have you at least the threat of a, of a throw yeah so there's a lot of reasons why but we also haven't had the right personnel at running back to do that yeah like i said it started those waning years of brandon jacobs where he just kind of was tiptoeing rather than just running north south so mm-hmm. when i looked at this i really was trying to find a north south guy and the guy who kind of came up was alfred morris carlos hyde jonathan stewart any of those guys sound like good ideas? Jeremy Hill, maybe? Alfred Morris seems like a guy who has a lot of miles on him. I mean, how old is he? Yeah, I don't think he's old. I just think he... I I, I, I see like when he was... That one or two really good years he had, I seen like he had a lot of carries. Yeah, well, that's definitely true. Of the guys I mentioned, Jonathan Stewart has uh, a workout with the Giants tomorrow, or as you're <laughs> listening to this today. Um, My problem with Jonathan Stewart is that there is zero threat of him out of the backfield and i'm not okay with that yeah well i mean how much is the you know the pass to the running back a part of this offense going to be going forward i would think a big part of it in a west coast offense i mean it's as as far as the nfl goes it's a staple part of it you need somebody to be at least an option out of the backfield what about like garrett blunt well garrett blunt is another one where there's zero threat of him out of the backfield for me, I think the best free agent north-south guy who can do a little bit more would probably be Carlos Hyde. I, you know, he's underwhelming, but he was never really on any sort of good team. No. So, I think that he's somebody who could emerge wherever he signs this year has a a, a good chance of having a breakout year this year. We're in that weird spot right now with the Giants, where you know. Some of these these free agents we're talking about are getting a little long in the tooth, and they're not going to be long term solutions. I don't think. But yeah. we're looking to establish, you know, a presence on this offense so you can you know interchange with different parts going forward. So yeah, and I, I'd be hesitant to give Carlos Hyde more than a three year deal. Yeah, I agree. I don't think any of these running backs we've discussed are really th- more than three year guys. Any of them. So I mean that that turns us back to the draft. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley gets a lot of hype, and deservedly so. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to that. I mean, he's a he got home run speed. He's a threat to score at all times. He's a smooth catcher out of the backfield, a good route runner. He's one of those one-cut slasher-type runners. 
My problem with him, though, and no one really says this, he doesn't. He sort of backs away from physicality, and I understand why he might. But you don't really see him lower his shoulder and hit people. And I watched a lot of film on him. He really just doesn't do that. He also probably takes on a bigger workload than most of the other running backs in this draft class, and I can understand why he doesn't want to get hit. You know, it it reminds me a little bit of um, Leonard Fournette's last year, where you know something he was like. I have the draft coming up, and I am not going to lower my shoulder for you know on a team that's, you know, not going to the playoff. So I, I would take that with a slight grain of salt, and I don't Absolutely. I do not blame these guys. If you're the elite of the elite, that's different than being you know Rudy out there mm-hmm. and not giving his all. I mean, these guys have millions and millions of dollars at stake. Yeah, but again, I, I'm seriously sort of looking for guys who are overly physical, and this is again someone that you're going to have a lot of insight to because he's an SEC player. But what about Georgia's Sony Michelle? Both of those guys, man, him and uh, Chubb were just, you know, interchangeable badasses yeah. <laughs> at Georgia. Um, the nice thing is because they had a two-headed and even a three-headed monster at running back, didn't have the 40 carry games. Exactly. Like someone like a Barkley could too, so he's a little fresher. Um, yeah, I have nightmares of that fucker running through us, so. Yeah, and to me, he's more of the complete back that you're looking for than Nick Chubb is. I think he's a better receiver out of the backfield. I think he's an intelligent and an effective pass blocker. He welcomes contact. He, If you watch him in the open field and there's a guy, he's not going to veer away from him. He's going to run right into him and over him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got some serious burst to him. So I would love to have Sonny Michel on this offense. If at all I guess if I can deal with having Rodney Hampton as a Georgia running back, I guess I can handle him too. Yeah. I, I know you're not going to love him. And again, Nick Chubb, I wasn't as impressed with. I mean, he is a north-south runner, uh, He, but he reminds me a little bit of Brandon Jacobs. He kind of struggles to break tackles. He doesn't necessarily it, run over guys. He just kind of runs into them, and that's where he goes. And a significant injury in his back pocket. Too. Yeah. I think he also gets a little too cute to avoid tackles. Mm-hmm. The one thing you, you did see, though, with Georgia, they had a fantastic offensive line, especially they run, did. run blocking, too. So, you know, again, it's hard to project a guy who has a shitty offensive line or, or you know, wide receiver with a shitty quarterback. You could see with Sonny Michelle and with Nick Chubb, you know, this is running with a, a great offensive line and an effective enough passing game to really showcase what they can do. But that's what I think speaks more to Sonny Michelle than – uh, Nick Chubb, where if you have a great offensive line and you're struggling to break tackles, then it kind of shows that, you know, we, we've we talked about this, you and I, before the podcast about Rashad Jennings and how, yeah, he doesn't have an offensive line blocking for him, but he doesn't do anything to help himself. Right. And that, I think, is going to be the issue with Nick Chubb in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched Darius Geis. I'm not as big on him. I know that he's a good running back and he'll do well, but to me, he doesn't have a lot of lower body strength that you're going to want from him year one. I think it's going to take him a little bit. He he gets pushed backwards kind of a lot, and I know that the SEC has got some of the best defenders in the game, but I didn't see enough of him fighting through tackles and going forward. He wasn't that special running back that Fournette was with LSU. I mean, yeah, he's solid. I mean, he's yes. I think he was second team All SEC running back. I think he was, but he, there was a drop off from what Fournette was, which was when he played and when he actually gave half a shit. Yeah, was you know 
I thought right up there with a guy like Trent Richardson as, you know, one of the best prospects I've seen come out of the SEC for running backs in the last 20 years. Yeah. Now, again, these guys may flame out and bust out in the NFL, but from what I saw at the college level against you know, elite defenses for their, you know, against their peers, Fournette was right up there with a guy like Trent Richardson. Yeah. I'm really shocked that Trent Richardson busted, to be very honest. I, I can't believe that either. Yeah, I thought that um, – that Fournette was better than I'm sorry uh, Trent Richardson was better than Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry two Heisman winners at at, at uh, Alabama so I would agree with that yeah and in, in college Trent Richardson was an absolute monster there was nobody on the field that could touch him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know you'll have something to say about this but this is a guy that is not getting enough media hype in my opinion and he might be my favorite running back in the in the class for the Giants to take because they can get him at value because nobody's talking about him what about Tennessee's John Kelly? Solid. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw him for two years play against Florida, and um, the guy can run. And you're right, he's, he's the type of running back you're talking about. You can just kind of grind it through an offensive line, you know, a defensive line. Um, where is he projected right now? I mean, I haven't really heard him talked about in round three even. So we're, we're talking a day three pick. It, Rounds four, that could be, five, that could be six. A poten- that could be a potential steal. Yeah, in the second round, again playing with a you know, on a terrible offense, with a, a terrible, terrible coach. <laughs> yeah, a terrible quarterback. You know, in a team that you know had quit on their te- on their coach. Um, he was all their offense really was last year. Yeah, and um, you know, if he's around in day three, that might be that could be a potential answer right there to pick up. Again, definitely for value. Yeah. And, you know, just like we were saying, he's a north-south guy. He trusts the play design. He doesn't go cute in reverse field or anything like that. And he loves contact. He will run guys over. And and more often than not, more than Sony Michelle, I would say, who kind of relies on his absolute burst and, you know, physicality will just sort of like barrel through people. He kind of mm-hmm. like runs them over and keeps going. John mm-hmm. Kelly. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really go down very easily. So, I, I mean, that's a guy I really – whoever gets him, if it's on day three, they got to steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the only other guy I really saw like that, um, he's a little bit polarizing, but Kalen Balage from Arizona State. He's another guy like that. And while he was at Arizona State, he was criticized for not always being that guy and you know sometimes not being north and south enough. But I take a lot more stock in things like the senior bowl and the week of practice before it, and he looked – stellar in the senior bowl going north and south running through guys and uh you know all the reports from practice is that he got better from day after day so he's another guy i don't like him nearly as much as michelle or john kelly or anything like that but you know day three we're talking about maybe a real good contributor Mm -hmm. i really don't know anything about him so yeah i mean arizona state you know that that's part of why i don't take too much stock in the criticism because it's it's Arizona State. It, it, they're not big time competitors. They ran sort of a gimmicky offense. You know, I don't know what his coaching was there. Yeah, I mean, it's a position of uh, you know, you might see a guy taken in the third round who might be on the roster. You might see the first or the second overall pick. Yeah, be a running back. It's really all over the board. We 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 just don't know at this point. Well, I mean, uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, for more information, I, I'm going to go more in depth with all these guys because I have more guys I watched and I had more notes on them. And 
Ah, oh, God, it was just so interesting. This was a lot of fun to actually cover these two positions, but I'm at football <laughs> underscore grump. <laughs> you will find me on Twitter at the cranky van as always. And you can find this award winning program on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, Go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. The more people who review and rate us, the more Giant fans we can connect with and can hear our lush baritones pontificating <laughs> about our favorite football team. And who wouldn't love? Who wouldn't love a nice pair of baritones? Are <laughs> you doing your own times your own? <laughs> um, all of our episodes are also. Uh, on Twitter if that's the easiest way to find a link to our stuff. If you're on the go, you don't have quick connection to iTunes, you're on Twitter, at Just Giants Pod. you'll know immediately when it's up. You can click it, it'll take you to iTunes, you can subscribe, whatever. It's a, it's a good way to know right away when our episode is up. Alright everyone, uh, avoid the next snowstorm. Go Giants! Go Giants! Go Giants!